Real Life Conversations is a new podcast focusing on biblical discussions for Christian life. Please note that this podcast involves discussions with individuals from different backgrounds, denominations, and different spiritual walks of life. These conversations are not designed to put denominational stakes in the ground. Rather, these conversations are to help others pursue God, grow in understanding of the Bible, walk in step with the Holy Spirit, and experience real life change. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email reallifeconversations at myelevationcc.org. Well, a wonderful welcome to episode three of Real Life Conversations, biblical discussions for the Christian life. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing today. And I am truly honored, humbled, and completely excited for our special guest for episode three. His name is Pastor David Holt. Welcome, Pastor David. Great to be with you, Phil. Where are you located right now? Yeah, I'm pastoring a church in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs! Uh-oh, you're contending with some Ohio Buckeye fans right now. <laughs> uh, pastor David was my pastor uh, when I went to college in La Crosse, Wisconsin. First time I've really gotten out of the nest and started to claim my faith in Jesus for my own. And uh, it was through his messages. It was through the worship and the services there and their genuine fervor for seeking the Lord that drew me to my knees. I remember it was the very first Sunday before school ever started. And I said, this is where I'm to be. So Pastor David, I just want to personally thank you. It was through your ministry that allowed me to learn what it means to be surrendered and learn what it means to walk as a real Christian. So brother, I thank you so much. I'm going to shout right back to you, brother, because you are such a joy in our church and you are one of the most creatively gifted people I have ever known. And I got to see you uh, do some of your uh, productions. What was the one you did when you did? I think it honestly, it was called Real Life. Yeah. You did this cool uh, show in college and you were dancing and singing and just amazingly gifted. And um, hey, I got another shout out for you. You make me qualify to be a bishop. No way. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of African-American churches and I've always wondered, you know, what's with this bishop title and how do you (laughs) what makes you a bishop? And and a pastor up in uh, Baltimore said when somebody who's been under your ministry is a pastor, becomes a pastor, that qualifies you in our culture as a bishop. So you better start calling me Bishop. Bishop Holt. (laughs) Do you do you have anyone else that has come through your ministry, either in Wisconsin or Georgia, that is in ministry now? Oh, yeah. Quite a few. So, yeah. Oh, that is awesome. And so, yeah, we go all the way back to 1998. So I truly am looking so forward to this. The topic for today is eternal perspective. Having an eternal perspective for every moment of life in this life and the next. So I'm just going to pass the torch to you right away. Well, I love the topic, Phil, and it's probably one of the biblical truths that has had the biggest impact on me next to the gospel. And it's basically living here for what is going to last after here. <laughs> it's it's giving your life and and time and energy and money for that which will outlive you. 
That's the simplest definition. Jesus said, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. He said, don't lay up treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. And so it's really, uh, it's kind of looking at life through a different lens, you know, putting a pair of sunglasses on and you see things different. Or when the first time you got glasses or contacts, whoa, all of a sudden what was blurry is clear. And sure. it's kind of like that, that you're you're uh, asking God to stamp eternity on your eyeballs so that you see the way he sees. You see life here, realizing what's going to last and what's not going to last. And especially so that you don't live solely for the things that are just going to burn. <laughs> wow. I, I, I need to I need to reiterate what you just said. You said we need to ask God to stamp eternity on our eyeballs. That's right. He prayed in Ephesians 1. He says, uh, open the eyes of their heart. And I think it's that concept that God, and I pray every listener today, pray that right now as we do this. God, open the eyes of my heart yeah, so I can see uh, what I need to see and, and see the way you see. Talk about spiritual warfare. Our eyes are the gate, our understanding and the lens that we look through. We're either letting light in or darkness in. Well, and, and this is such a challenge, Phil, because we're bombarded every day in all the messages we receive. It's all about the here and now, and it's all about the cars, and it's all about the, you know, the status and money and your bank account. And it's just, it's so much about the material. And that was true in Jesus' time, but I think more so even today, because we see what others have. And that's why social media is so dangerous, because we start comparing and we always come up short. And, you know, I'm 62. I'm seeing guys that I want to high school with now retiring and kind of living the American retirement life. Well, I could easily let that cause me to be jealous or why am I not be able to retire, not retiring? And it's like, man, I got to put the eternal lens back on. <laughs> yeah. This is a twofold question. Why is the eternal perspective so important and precious to you? And why should it be so important to the believer? Well, it's, that's an easy answer. It's, it's The answer is the same for both. It should be important because it's important to God and God's eternal. So I think one of the most important things for us to understand is the nature of God. And he is an eternal God. And Jesus modeled living for the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's really living with, with God's priorities. And, you know, as we think about that, it's important to say, what is eternal? Well, God's eternal. His word's eternal. Men and women's souls are eternal. Now, there's a one that people often overlook. Good works done for the right motive are eternal and will be rewarded. Godly character is eternal because it will be rewarded. And that's a concept most Christians don't even think about is the issue of rewards. And Randy Alcorn's writings have been hugely instrumental for me. Money, Possessions, and Eternity changed my life. And then his book, The Law of Rewards, where he talks about how believers, all believers will go to heaven, but not all believers will be equally rewarded in heaven. And we should want to be rewarded for God's glory. That's good. Wow. So how has the eternal perspective impacted your life? Yeah, well, it's the reason I'm a pastor. When I was in college, that's when God was really getting a hold of my life, similar to, to when you were in college. And I was a business major and I was really thinking about, you know, what am I going to do with my life? And I went to a campus crusade now called Crew Conference and they challenged students to really think about 
What can you give your life to vocationally where you're going to have the maximum impact on the maximum number of people for the glory of God? That simple question had a profound impact on me. Now, this doesn't mean that everybody's to go into full-time vocational ministry. I could talk for hours about people I know that are having the maximum impact for the glory of God as a businessman or as a doctor or as a nurse or as a stay-at-home mom, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, as I looked at my gifts, as I looked at my heart, as I looked at my passion, I felt like the, the greatest investment of my life, heart, passions, and gifts is to be a pastor. And so it impacted me in terms of what vocation I chose. It impacts me every day and choices I make, what I give priority to. It impacts me in my spending of money and the type of car or house I live in. Or I'm so motivated to give financially because I want to lay up treasures in heaven. I, if I can, if I have a choice of, of a little bit of a nicer car or maybe supporting a missionary, what's more eternal? So this is where it really gets down to the practical rubber meets the road. How do I use my free time? And again, it doesn't mean that we get paranoid that everything we do has to be directly eternal and I can't go fishing or something like that. But I do a ball game or entertainment, right? Yeah. But hey, redeem the time for the days are evil. Go to the football game, but take somebody with you that you're discipling. Take somebody with you that's not a believer. So, you know, there is a way of redeeming the time for the days are evil. Of how could I make this something that's more eternal and, and who I take with me or, or the way in which I go about this vacation or whatever it is. But man, we, we just, I don't think we even think in those terms mostly. Yeah. Why do you think it is so challenging and difficult to live through the lens of an eternal perspective? For instance, what keeps them from keeping those eternal glasses on? Well, I think, first of all, we are in a battle, so I don't want to minimize that the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I took a class on demonology at Trinity with Dr. Neil Anderson. Well, I'm sorry, uh, Tim Warner. He was Neil Anderson's assistant. And he talks about how now what he tries to do is render you spiritually ineffective. And we are spiritually ineffective if we don't live with an eternal perspective. So I think that's one. I think the demonics of peace. I think selfishness, pride, but also just the culture we live in. You know, you go to a you go to a country where they don't have as much as we have here. And usually they value eternal things a lot more. So we are so materialistic in America. And unfortunately, we're, we are so just consumed with the here and now and the materialism and outshining our, our neighbor or trying to get better up or get this whole live the American dream um, can sometimes be very anti-gospel. Yeah, we went through um, just a few weeks ago, a five-day fast as a church. It's one of the first times that I remember us as a church fasting together in some form or fashion, praying three things. Father, align us to your heart. Jesus, let us abide and rest in you. And Holy Spirit, let us surrender to your will and to your ways. Wow. And while doing that, we read through in five days, we read through the book of Acts. And one thing with the eternal perspective that came about loud and clear to me personally was the fact that those who were sold out for Jesus, they did not claim any rights as their own. And I know I'm going to step on some toes in the American dream. I love our country. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Men and women have fought with their lives some have paid the ultimate sacrifice. I take our American freedoms very, very seriously. However, we still as believers, not of this world, but of an eternal kingdom, our rights come from heaven, not from any other nation, not from any other authority, but Jesus. And I see so many Christian families getting stuck in the American current of these are my rights. 
you can't touch these rights. These are our rights. And Paul said, I become nothing. Mm. All the rights that I have gained and all the, the titles and the reputation and education and status, I count as rubbish. Good. And so can you just give like a daily practical layout? Yeah. Well, what does it living with an eternal perspective yeah. really look like? Well, it starts when you wake up and have time with God. <laughs> time with God is eternal. And one of the reasons I'm motivated to spend time with the Lord every day, and it's the single most important discipline in the Christian life, and it's the single most impactful discipline in my own life, is just having time in the Word and prayer every day. And it'd be quality, not just to read a verse out of a devotional, but really 15, 20, for me, it's at least an hour. But it's just getting along with the Lord. That's eternal. That's an eternal investment. When Martha and Mary, that whole issue, Luke 10, Jesus said to Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. Mary's chosen the better part, which shall not be taken from her because it's eternal. It's an eternal investment to get to know God, have your heart stirred, get to just pour out your heart to him, pray about the day, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one thing. The other is just, um, I think, Again, how how we go about relationship, you know, um, that person that we see at the coffee place every morning, maybe where we get coffee, you know, that's I can redeem that time by learning that person's name, you know, calling them by name the next time, maybe saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. Anything I could be praying for you about, man, I've seen that just to open up incredible doors at the local golden pantry I go to. And and then I'll ask that person in the future. And, and so, again, just evangelism, discipleship, again, you of money, priorities, just uh, drive time. You know, I'm in the car. Prayer is eternal time. You know, I'm interceding for somebody. I'm I'm praying for somebody. That's that's an eternal investment right there as I drive to my job. Um, so there's so many exciting ways that we can give our lives time, motivation, money, gifts to that which is eternal. I'll tell you a big a biggie for me, and I hope this resonates with some of the listeners, how you view a trial or a difficulty in your life. Mm. I had I had chronic acne from the time I was 16 till I was 22. I'd just become a believer at 17. And uh, my dermatologist even considered doing one of those where they literally rip this whole skin off your face and, and hope that it'll come back better. They didn't have a lot of the technology and drugs um, that they do today. And so obviously that made me struggle with self-image and what do people think when they see me and I was a new believer. Well, God used this eternal perspective early in my Christian life because the verse out of Romans really impacted my life. It says this momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, which shall not be taken from us. And God, even, even as a young believer, even as a teenager, God began to show me, you know, this is hard. And I know it's hard for you, David, but as if the Lord was saying, I'm going to develop some character qualities in you through this that are going to help you minister to others for the long haul. And man, that just, it just totally changed my perspective on that difficulty. Um, I remember a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, Dave Trevecki. Many people may, old people might remember him. He had his arm amputated, so he lost his baseball career. And an interview in Eternity Magazine, there was a magazine called Eternity back then, back in the 80s and 90s. And he said, Man, this is hard. I love baseball, but there's something more important. And that's my relationship with Jesus. And one day I'm going to get a glorified body and I'll have my arm back. And for now, if by having my arm cut off, I can have a greater impact for God, so be it. And I was like, man, that's huge. Yeah, there are so many heroes of the faith out there that have some sort of either disability, setback, major tragedy in their lives. And eternal perspective changes everything. Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, you know, martyred as a missionary and his famous quote, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. 
Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, she had a diving accident when she was around 17, got, was paralyzed. Many people prayed. She prayed for healing, was bitter at God that he didn't heal her. But then she felt like the Lord said, look, I'm going to be able to use you in the wheelchair far more powerfully than I could use you if I healed you. And I mean, I've seen videos and pictures of her ministering to thousands of people in wheelchairs and other infirmities and, and just her ability because of her difficulty and trusting God in the midst of that, her ministry is propelled way beyond what it could have been had she been healed. She paints with a paintbrush in her teeth. And yeah, Johnny Erickson taught a profound ministry through her infirmity. Wow. You know, I'm guilty of looking at the Apostle Paul of this this just like flawless dude, right? Filled with the power of Christ that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and uh, healings and miracles and the demons flee from Apostle Paul. And then I go to that passage where he says, I had a thorn in the flesh. He said, I asked, I pleaded, I cried out, I sought God, I travailed to God, asking him to remove it. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So now Paul then takes the eternal perspective and says, so now I am confident. I'm able to be content in every season. So when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And so now Paul is boasting in his weaknesses because God's grace is strong. That's eternal perspective. So I have a verse I want to throw at you. This scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 3. This is Paul speaking to the people of Corinth. And he says in verse 11, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds their life on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. And so this is where this is the kicker. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, and I don't believe that's the flame of hell here that he's talking about. This is the refining fire of God, consuming fire of God. Honestly, if us Christians start to really see the refining, powerful, consuming fire of God, we're going to start watching how we live our lives. Anyways, it's going to be tested by that fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone built on that foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. <laughs> what in the world is he saying? <laughs> Woo! I love it, brother. That's the very verse that Law of Rewards by Randy Alcorn is based on. And it's, really? basi it's basically this. We have not taught the body of Christ enough about rewards. Now, all Christians have eternal life, but not all Christians will have equal rewards. Mm -hmm. Just like in hell, there's degrees of punishment. In heaven, there's degrees of reward. Some oh. believe, Grudem even taught this, there'll be possibly degrees of responsibility, some over many cities, some over few. He even says there could be degrees of joy in heaven based upon how you lived on earth. But we know on that verse and others, clearly there's degrees of reward. So not all believers will be really rewarded equally. And listen, I hear people say all the time, well, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to cast all our crowns before the Lord. No, it does matter. And I don't think we just cast them before the Lord and that's it. 
as if it's a kind of a within the first 10 seconds of judgment, then it's it's I think it lasts for all eternity. I do. I believe for all of eternity. And it's not like we're going to be jealous or compare because there's none of that in heaven. But for the glory of God, I want to be I want to hear well done. Come on. Well done. Not everybody's going to hear well done my good and faithful servant. And so I do believe the degree to which you live for kingdom priorities, people you win to Christ, people you disciple, the money you gave, all of that plays in. I love to tell this story. I really believe, now I don't have a verse for this, but I really, really, really believe this is going to be part of our experience in heaven. Listen, when I've shared this in Uganda and I go out in the crowd and and really get in their face on this, that man, you would not believe the reaction of these thousand pastors at the conference that I did a few years ago. And I say, I really believe this will be many of you experience in heaven. If you've been faithful and you've lived for God and you've lived for eternal priorities, you're going to have people come up to you in heaven and say, Phil, thank you for leading me to Christ. Let me introduce you to all the people I led to Christ. And you're going to truly get to see the fruit of your ministry. It's like that old song. Thank you for giving to the Lord. You, you know, the guy goes, Hey, you supported that that missionary, $10 a month. Now, all the people that that guy impacted, they're all waiting in line to come up to you in heaven and thank you that they're there partly because of your giving that $10 a month. Their life I truly changed. believe, I really, really believe that's going to be part of our experience in heaven. And we need to think about that. And you, the passage you read, you know, there's going to be some, yeah, they're saved, but as through fire, they have nothing to bring. All their works were burned up. You know, it's like the John Piper story of the guy who retires and all he does is play golf and collect shells on the beach for 20 years. And and he, and he says, what's that guy going to come up to the Lord and say, look, Jesus, at my shells. How ridiculous. You know, do you want to just hand Jesus your scorecards and hand Jesus your shells and and watch your Jaguar collect rust in a junkyard somewhere? I mean, really, that we need to think these things. And that gets to the point of eternal perspective is also of understanding. I I, I get it. We're not going to be able to understand in full the beauty and the perfection and the incredible bliss of eternity. We We just can't even fathom. We will never know until we see it face to face with Jesus. I hear so many times So many Christians have never been taught of their eternal destination and even identity. And that concerns me because we're not just going to have wings flying on a cloud with a harp. Speaking of Randy Alcorn, his book, Heaven. Heaven. And that's what I was just going to get to is how do we resource our people and equip our people? Where do they start? Because heaven, when Jesus returns... And there's a lot of things that are going to happen that we see in Revelation. But the end goal is when he restores everything in a new heaven and a new earth, we are ruling on this heaven with Jesus. We're not just this mist in the clouds called heaven. Let me give you a quote that I heard this week that is really powerful regarding prayer and eternal perspective. I heard a guy say, we spend more time praying saints out of heaven than sinners out of hell. Oh, say that again. Okay, we spend more time praying saints out of heaven. Heal Aunt Tilda of her poor little, you know, sore left toe. And and again, I'm all for physical healing. I believe it's all for today. So I'm not diminishing that we are to do James 5, anoint with all, pray for healing. But how much of our prayer life is consumed with Christians and physical needs, keeping Christians out of heaven (laughs) instead of sinners out of hell, praying for unbelievers to get saved? I mean, really, 
Uh, so again, that's kind of eternal perspective too. And that's a shout out to um, uh, Pastor Todd Smith. Episode two, uh, we talked about unless we pray, the urgency of prayer. And I think it's just a shout out to him because uh, you and I have been connected for over 20 years. And now we both have been connected to Pastor Todd Smith. So shout out to him. And well, I'm taking my whole well. staff through his book right now. So I'll give another shout out for whatever he said on that. Unless we pray is one of the best books on prayer ever written. Yeah. Um, speaking of books, and I, I know that the people that I have on this podcast are, are some of the most humble people I have, but I think books right, written with the right intention and the heart and the passion to see that them grow in Christ are resources we need to get out to people. You have uh, written many books, and I've read several of them. I actually remember in 1998 and nine, you had these um, pamphlets. Do you remember them? Did You had yeah. a title for them. Track. Tracked, yeah. but it was like a big pamphlet and you had like performance treadmill yeah, and different articles. Uh, and they, man, they blessed me so much. And so your books, it was like going down memory lane, reading your books. Uh, what, what, what are some books that you would recommend to our listeners and how can they get them? Well, all my books are available on pastordavidholt.com and I've written pastoring with passion, serving with passion, well done, meeting you where you are. Of God Does What, and then I'm, I've just released a new, and it hasn't been published yet in this country, but it's been translated into six languages already, Grow Up, a Discipleship Manual for Following Jesus. But on this topic of eternal perspective, anything by Randy Alcorn, of course, but um, I'm a huge fan of Neil Anderson, Victory Over the Darkness, Bondage Breaker. So those are some, some of my favorites. If someone said, hey, I, I really don't even know where to start, where do I find, like, where do I find scripture? on what it means to have an eternal perspective, what would you suggest? Well, why don't you email me, <laughs> davidholt08 at gmail.com, and uh, I'll send you one of those tracks you're talking about is Living with an Eternal Perspective. The title of it is, What on Earth Are You Doing for Heaven's Sake? I remember reading that. <laughs> oh, that's great. And th for our listeners, he's not talking just like a Bible track. This is kind of like a newsletter article. That yeah, really it's just like four pages. Yeah. So what would you say to any of our listeners that say, okay, look, I just don't buy it all. I'm not really sure even where my face stands. What does eternal perspective really have to do with me? Well, the most important eternal thing is our soul, our spirit. And the Bible is very clear that we either spend eternity with God in heaven or eternity away from him in hell. And God loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, that's in hell, but have eternal life. So I would say that God loves you. God created you to know him. Jesus died so you could know God. Jesus paid the price for your sin. We're not saved or go to heaven based on good works. That's the biggest misconception on the planet. So many think that if their good deeds outweigh their bad, they'll go to heaven. Bible says even if we have all kinds of good deeds, we still have an issue called sin. We've rebelled against God. We have violated his holy standard, and we are worthy of judgment for that because he's holy. But Jesus took that judgment for us when he shed his blood, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and it's because he loves you. And he did all that so you could be forgiven by simply repenting. That's turning away from your sin, surrendering your life to him, inviting him to come in to forgive you, putting your faith and trust in Christ's payment alone for your sins. And the Bible says at that moment, he will forgive you. He accepts you into his family. 
and he puts his very presence and power called the Holy Spirit inside of you so that he can then change you from the inside out. And so God is knocking on the door. Jesus is a gentleman. He said, I knock at the door of your heart. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and we'll begin a relationship. Revelation 3.20. So he's knocking. He's not going to force himself on you. If you invite him in, your life can be changed forevermore. If you're if you have serious questions, I would encourage you on two fronts. One is called the 21-day challenge. It's read a chapter out of the Gospel of John every day. So today you read John 1, tomorrow you read John 2, third day you read John 3. And each day you pray this prayer, God, if you're real, and if Jesus is the answer, show yourself to me in a way I'll recognize. You read a chapter a day and pray that, and I guarantee you, if you have an open heart, God will begin to show you some things and draw you to himself. But another great uh, website is askaformeratheist.com. And it's a gentleman that I led to Christ who was a professor at University of Georgia in psychology. He was a very militant atheist, a two-year journey investigating the claims of Jesus and the reliability of the Bible, what we call apologetics. He became uh, a devoted follower of Christ. He now has his master's in apologetics. And he gives some great intellectual, historical, archaeological support for the Bible and Jesus and Christianity and great website called askaformeratheist.com, Dr. Rich Saplita. That's wonderful. And, and to all of our listeners, if you would like a list of any of those resources, if Pastor David's words pierced your heart as far as what it means to have an eternal perspective with the hope that only Jesus Christ gives, I would really encourage you to email real life conversations at myelevationcc.org. We'd love to talk with you, pray with you, and even line you up with the proper resources that you need to take that next step to trusting the Lord Jesus. It will change everything. And so, Pastor David, thank you so much for your time here on the podcast. Thank you, Phil, and thank you for your ministry. And it's a privilege to be a part of this. And I thank all the listeners today um, and just uh, so appreciate how you're doing this and giving hope and joy and truth to people. Awesome. Well, thank you. God bless you and all our listeners. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to Real Life Conversations. We pray you were encouraged and impacted by today's episode. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please email Conversations at myelevationcc.org. Again, that's Conversations at myelevationcc.org. 